Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Richard Citorle. Hello there. We also have Subrat Mishra. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Quick shout out about devinfluencers.com. Go to devinfluencers.com slash podcast. You can check out what's going on there. If you're looking to get more customers, more clients, build a course, anything like that, that, that's what I'm talking about over there. So yeah, we also have a special guest this week, and that is Daniel Kreider. Daniel, do you want to say hello and let everybody know why you're so awesome? Uh, hey, everyone. My name's Daniel Kreider, and I am super thrilled to be on this show. Thank you, Charles, and uh, everyone else for having me on here. It is my honor. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you. Now, you wrote a couple of articles about Angular performance, and I know that everybody's like, performance, right? What, what kind of prompted that before we get rolling too far into this? Mm-hmm. So it starts with a story, Charles. One of the, one of, yeah, 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 I do too. One of the uh, clients that I consult with has a Django app. And uh, one of the developers that works on this Django app, we work on a, it's the same project, but it has different code bases. So part of the code base is in Angular, uh, part of the code base is in .NET Core, and uh, part of it is in Django. So uh, inevitably, when we were together, he would pull out his Django app and say, hey, look at how look at how well it performs compared to your slow Angular app. I'm like, yeah, right. Hey, no, no, he'd open a browser, you know, and type in the URL and bang, hit it. And look at it, it's like two seconds. And I was like, no, no, let's, yeah, okay, let's try mine. And I'm like, punch it in, doom, try it. And you know, hey, it's about two seconds, right? Nah, it's three or four or five anyways. So I said, okay, let's open the, the browser developer tools. Firefox, Chrome, whatever we're using. And let's get milliseconds. Like, let's get down to milliseconds. And I tell this story in one of the articles that I wrote. So we uh, opened the browser. And here, come to find out, his his timer, his internal timer was way off. Uh, it was within a few milliseconds that our apps were performing. And his was like two seconds and 200 milliseconds. And mine's like two seconds and 300 milliseconds or something like that. So uh, I proved him wrong. And secondly, I had not done any performance optimizations on this application yet. So I knew I could beat his Django app because I hadn't done any performance optimizations yet. So that was that was what kind of triggered these, these articles on performance. Another story sort of that triggered this was uh, I surveyed about, I think it was about 30 Angular developers, just random, and gave them a list of like 10 things they could choose from their biggest frustration in angular and the top one by far was angular performance developers frustrated with the performance of their angular web apps and not that angular is slow but they don't know where to turn where do they go to make their application perform faster that makes sense i mean especially if it's an issue i mean mm -hmm. the angular stuff that i've done it hasn't had major performance issues but it does for me. So generally I'm working on the back end and then I'll put some on the front end. So, you know, an angular or react or view or something, whatever I feel like. And the issue comes that it's like, okay, well, it takes a half a second to, for my backend app to respond. And then it has to do all the work on the front end. Right. And so it's not so much that it's super slow. It's just that it's that much more work on the front end before the user sees anything. Exactly. Uh, and I, I addressed that in one of my performance articles. I said, uh, "Say, well, maybe maybe it's your back end that's slow that's causing the lag in the front end." Yeah, yeah, that's it, it could be, but yeah, 
Yeah. So the sometimes, the main... sometimes it just takes forever for it to load up. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So one of the main reason, I guess, in Angular, the first initial load, like if you don't uh, optimize it anyway, so the uh, maybe the bundle size is high, uh, mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. and if, I think that is the main main problem. Then it comes to the performance of the backend. Uh, mm-hmm. Then it mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my my own personal experience. I think it's um, um, like building smaller apps, medium apps websites for for clients and that sort of thing i remember there was this one project where it was sort of like a a getaway like airbnb kind of vibe so lots of pictures and and that sort of thing um and if i remember correctly i think uh, for the back end or at least for the hosting of the images it was through contentful or firebase i don't quite recall i mean those those uh, services are pretty much optimized uh, like in terms of CDNs and how they deliver the, the content. So it's pretty close to where your users are most, most of the time. But I also, I still needed to do some juggling on the front end, on the Angular side, to, to get that to, to work <laughs> optimally. So yeah, I'm very interested to hear what other strategies that you might have up your sleeve that uh, Angular developers can, can, can try out. Yeah, one thing that I'm wondering about is how do you measure it? It sounds like you use the dev tools on Chrome or something, right? But are there other ways to to make sure that it's responsive or, you know, that it's not responsive that you measure it? Yeah, good, good question. So developer tools is the quickest way. Obviously, you are uh, measuring the initial page load. There's also the Source Map Explorer, which I don't know if you've ever used, but it shows you the biggest chunks of your code. Uh, which modules are the biggest. And so you can quickly see also what imports are adding uh, kilobytes and megabytes to your application by using the Source Map Explorer to reveal the big parts of your application. That's another tool that the Angular team uh, highly recommends to analyze your build files, your bundles, to find the big ones and the dependencies you don't need. Uh, Maybe a quick tip. Where I go first, anytime I'm going to optimize an Angular application, the place I go first, 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 is the app.module.ts file. Because that is the file that bootstraps the app. And uh, I was working on a project recently, been working on it for months, and I went back to that file and found a boatload of imports that the application had outgrown. So I had a bunch of stuff in there that it wasn't using, that was getting shipped to the production build and causing it to slow down, making a bigger bundle size. So that's the first place I look, app.module.ts file. What imports have you outgrown? What imports don't you need anymore? Yeah, that sounds pretty reasonable. I think as we have come to know as developers, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to improve on something you don't know how it's currently performing. So measuring your app performance by, for example, profiling your app using the browser dev tools or Webpack Bundle Analyzer or even Lighthouse, for example, would uh, reasonably be um, the first step. But my question would be, could you explain to someone who is completely new um, and would like to improve their Angular app load times how this browser page profiling works? Like when you're saying, how would a new user profile the performance of their Angular app? Is that the question? Um, yeah, so someone has an existing application. It's starting to feel a bit sluggish. 
and and they want mm. to like Django, yeah, <laughs> like Django, <laughs> precisely <laughs> something like that. So like, where, like, how would you explain to someone who's completely new in in app optimization um, how it works under the hood? How it works under the how it works under the hood. Good question. Well, some people might disagree with me. Angular is not a slow framework. Uh, it is bigger than React and Vue, but that does not make it slow. So if your Angular app is slow, it's because you as a developer are doing something wrong. And so your question is, well, how does a new developer, at least if I understood you right, uh, your question is, how does a new developer uh, that isn't familiar with Angular you know, say, hey, I'm the problem. What do I need to know to optimize my Angular application. Yeah. Lazy. The first thing, yeah, first thing I'd probably look at besides app.module.ts file that I already suggested, lazy loading. Go learn lazy loading. Uh, I had an app that I built. It was actually the first Angular application that I built. I threw the whole thing inside of one module, the app module, and it got sluggish because I didn't know what I was doing. And I had to go learn lazy loading and lo lazy load the other routes uh, that I didn't need. So yeah, the Angular docs have a great section on lazy loading. That's the first thing I would recommend to an Angular developer who, who's saying, a new Angular developer that's saying, well, what, what do I, where do I start? Oh, that makes sense. Does yeah. that answer your question, Richard? Yeah, yeah, no, it does. It does. It's um, I'm trying to approach it or at least look at it from, you know, someone who's just starting out mm -hmm. i think we've pretty much been in the game for for a while now but mm -hmm. someone listening to us and wondering like guys like <laughs> I, I hear all this good stuff that you're talking about but like what are the baby steps what are the first steps that i need to take in order to achieve some of these benefits that you're talking about yeah and so one of uh, my curiosity is like according to you what like what are the steps like to reduce the bundle size of of the angular application I think in the article you have that, but can you explain here for our listeners? Yeah, yeah. What are what are the steps to uh, reduce the bundle size of an uh, Angular app? Uh, I do have an article on that. I believe in that article I mentioned the same thing. Look first of all, look at app.module.ts. Clean up any imports, like any imports you're not using, like get them out of there. I mentioned also lazy loading modules tuning your imports. And of course, there's always, you read it in every article, you know, upgrade your Angular app. Well, that's simple and that's easy. I also mentioned Brotly, which isn't Angular specific, but uh, that has the potential of reducing the size of your, your bundle files and delivering them faster. There's also the Google Closure compiler, which I don't have any, I've never gotten into, someone's really desperate, they can look into that. If you are a big enterprise with a huge app, I, from what I read, it's not recommended. You'll have a lot of patching to do, but you can gain a lot from what I read. You can gain a lot of, uh, and really shrink your bundle size down. I don't know if that answers your question, Subrat. Yep, yep, yep. So just to add more, I think uh, Angular is also, they are trying their best. I think currently the 2L has little less bundle size and yes, also yeah. after yeah after angular 9 i guess we can lazy load our component as well mm -hmm. but there is a catch so if your component is pretty pretty much independent we can we can lazy load them mm -hmm. and i guess one not from angular side but if you are downloading much uh, images or some heavier stuff 
a small tweak if you just switch from http 1 to http 2 that may mm-hmm. increase your performance and uh, and mm-hmm. and much stuff much browser stuff like lazy load your images so it will be loaded to the browser if it's in the viewport yeah so performance is a big thing yeah mm-hmm. yeah i like those tips totally agree with them so so far we've talked about getting the bundle size down maybe not loading as much stuff in uh, doing some lazy loading so that the upfront load doesn't take as much time i mean are are those kind of the big chunks of things to go after or are there other things that are going to get you more mileage yeah so one thing is it's maybe maybe a <laughs> no a lot of people can't implement right now but get rid of jquery it will it will improve <laughs> a little bit of performance <laughs> and security vulnerability also but if you are currently using bootstrap 4 3 anything then then it's a it's a problem but Bootstrap 5 has, uh, like, they have removed jQuery. So if you, if you are going mm. that way, then it will be pretty good. Mainly the vulnerability and jQuery used everywhere. Everywhere, it's, uh, so it's just uh, across all the, all the, means all the big giant application. So uh, if when I'm seeing any, any older application, removing jQuery is, um, is like a month work. <laughs> all the code has dollar, dollar, class, dollar. Yeah, that's uh, you can you can go ahead and yeah, I think yeah, I think for for me, what when I was going through your articles, uh, the one thing that really popped out for me is I don't know, maybe I'm 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 changing the conversation a little bit, but I'm very curious and keen to hear your your side of the story. It's basically this open source education, right, or something that I call open source education. Um, lots of open source contributors start by using soft uh, start by being users of software they contribute to. Um, they may find a bug, uh, look at the source code and see if they can fix it themselves, right? Uh, and if they're feeling generous, um, they would open a, a pull request to to get the fix uh, back into the source code. And and I know that you are an avid OS uh, open source contributor. What would you say are the most valuable lessons you've learned uh, while contributing to open source? What are the most valuable lessons I've learned? Well, it's a very rewarding experience. If you're on the fence about doing it, uh, give it give it a shot. I was recently mentoring a developer that did his first pull request. It was wasn't Angular; it was .NET Core library, and it was just amazing to see how elated he was when he finally saw you know that green merged on GitHub. And I remember when I did my first pull request, you know that there was that feeling. Well, you know, what if it gets rejected? What if someone makes a rude comment? There's that, you know, you know do, do I do it? Just do it. Just do it. It is very rewarding. I think that's, that's the primary lesson I learned from contributing to open source. That, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty cool. I think I'm, I've, I've, I can relate to exactly that experience that you're talking about. I think recently there was a very small contribution I made to the Angular docs, literally tiny little thing but just the whole experience i think for me the reason why i picked it up first of all it was annoying to see the typo on the, on the page but i think just wanting to get to understand what you know how the project is work how um the angular team has put in place processes you know that you need to follow in order to get your pull requests or your commit mm-hmm. in, merge into uh, into source uh, and that whole experience for me as a team lead i tend to appreciate 
the well-tested processes that that are out there, especially in open source, uh, something that I, I I love to learn and try and bring in into into my teams as well. So yeah, mm -hmm. very very rewarding experience indeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and with that said, I mean, what would you say is the uh, was your most valuable contribution um, that you've made so far, and and which sort of projects that you've you've contributed so far? Yeah, well, I've done very minor contributions. I wouldn't say I'm a huge contributor. You can pull up my GitHub profile later and, and see the few contributions I've made. Uh, my greatest contribution has been to Angular. Not because I, I did more or gave more in my contribution, but because it's the open source project I'm most proud of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the all the contributions are pretty cool, pretty like once it's approved it's, and it's live, so you feel like, okay, my, my contribution is seen by, seen by with everyone. Mm. So I have one one question here from an article, like uh, you, you have told about hosting with with a CDN, deployed a global CDN. So can you just little elaborate us on that? Sure. And I believe in that article I mentioned Netlify, uh, there's also uh, Google Firebase hosting. I don't know if I mentioned in that article or not. I can't remember all the ones I mentioned. And I actually, it's on my to-do list to write an article on uh, Angular hosting. And yeah, if you're going to deploy to a CDN, I, yeah, they're all good. I've never found a bad CDN. I would just say if you're going to deploy to CDN, make sure you find one that supports Broadly so that you can gain a small performance edge. Um, and I mentioned in that article, too, that Netlify supports Broadly. So there, yeah, if, if I had to choose anyone, it'd probably be Netlify, but there's no bad or wrong. I've used Netlify, uh, but most of my projects are actually uh, VPS and uh, running Nginx and, and uh, I use SSH and all that to get into them. And so in that case, I build Nginx from source to get the Broadly module because the default installation doesn't come with Broadly. And I have I have an article on that with the build script to build Nginx from source with the Broadly module and the HPS modules that you need. Uh, but that's personally been my approach. But if I use the CDN, which I have sometimes, it'd be Netlify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for a, for a new listener, like, what the CDN will do, like I'm just explaining, so it will cache, uh, it, the browser will cache, so then in the next time it will not download the whole file from the server, it will just use the cache and load. Mm -hmm. Are you are you asking or saying? No, 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 I'm just saying for a new listener, okay, someone yes, is pretty yes. new to the into the Angular or web development here. Mm -hmm. So according to you, like what, what will be the most performance oriented once the bundle is loaded? So what all uh, can we do for op optimization or some tricks? Mm -hmm. What are the the biggest performance bottlenecks once the app yeah. is loaded? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, good question. Well, there's all kinds of things. Uh, I read an article recently of a fellow that he found a bunch of that uh, he had to optimize an app that uh, wasn't. It was it was it, it would eventually turn into memory hog. It was slow to load, and uh, the biggest thing he found in that app was uh, the developers were failing to uh, unsubscribe from observables. And over time, it, it basically crashed the browser and used so much memory. That is an exaggerated case. Uh, you, there are simple tweaks, and there's probably thousands of articles on them, uh, on these tweaks all over the internet. But two main, well, yeah, one is to optimize change detection. The other one is uh, 
if you're rendering a long list of uh, a long list of elements, if you're using ng4 for thousands of lines, then a track by function is definitely needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are some of the main ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, I have, I can just tell a pretty bad uh, experience. So, in my previous company, we are we are loading. So, it's basically a three D website, like um, similar to Poly. Uh, mm. So, so we are uh, rendering image, and those are the medical devices. So, like suppose a CT CT scan or a artist, you know, so those are for the scan. So, what the developer do, or developer in the sense the three D developer do, they put the actual image, actual bar means what to say, actual model on the on the server, and those are five hundred, six hundred MB. And rendering that is skills. So, so we try to do a lot of things. We'll try to do ops in canvas. So we try to do a lot of things, but still uh, our wave is not that. So like uh, it can render 500, 600 MB. So I think the use, uh, all, as a developer also, we should have like, if you are getting a lot of data, you should have a way to chunk it down or reduce the size so that at least it is renderable means it's not, looking that bad but it's at least it's not taking a lot much time so like the like that you told i guess if you are rendering thousand of list uh, so so that uh, putting the thousand list in the html it's it's not good but you can go do it gradually like put uh, which you are seeing in a viewport maybe 30 40 and use the track by that you told track by is pretty good mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, and there there are technical limits. Uh, Five hundred megabytes is a lot to load yeah. in the browser. You you do run into limits eventually. Mm-hmm. So you'll see that crash. Uh, the tab is crashed, and you need to load. How do you measure that kind of performance? Right. I mean, the the browser tools will tell you, hey, it's taking this long to get the the assets, the JavaScript assets, or whatever the CSS assets. And sometimes it'll tell you how long it takes to to get to first paint or whatever. But it, I haven't seen tools that really give you a good feel for, oh, when you click this, right, it slows down. Mm-hmm. Is there a good way to measure that? Well, I don't have an answer for that one, Charles. Maybe Richard or Subrit does. No, I was about to say we can build that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, 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 I think a bunch of... Uh, AI can help you if you just give it to uh, go. I don't. I'm just saying it loud. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> much. If we just give it like uh, maybe use uh, Selenium or something, just go and click everywhere and uh, then check. Okay, if that is causing a problem. But the what the lighthouse gave is the loading time and which scripts, uh, how, how much I went and mm-hmm. the, maybe the performance oriented view on the mobile and the slow network. The slow network is the I think is the is the uh, most useful test because uh, while you're developing, we are using a pretty faster internet connection. We have a pretty good uh, monitors, but the end user may be used in in their small phones. But to nowadays, phones are pretty good. They have I think uh, more RAM than my first computer. So, but but still, we we have to, we should uh, go on that. But it's a nice idea, Charles. Like, um, if uh, someone can build that, it will be a hit, I guess. According to my knowledge, also, I don't, I haven't seen anything. Mm. 
Um, there was also another thing that I, I picked up on your article and that was, I think you were going on about how you should optimize for your your end users. So op performance optimizations, it can mean different things to different people and trying to understand where or how your users uh, use your application. I think for me as uh, someone who would uh, build an Angular application, I would pretty much also uh, well first look at how the app is currently being used for example like let's say you are i don't know you've got an application where it's pretty big and it's global and people using it in different geographies try and understand see where the bottlenecks are are they are, they, are the bottlenecks or, or people that are complaining about the performance where are they located and perhaps that particular location has bad internet connection, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So I think having a different view at it or having a different perspective or starting at a different perspective where it's putting yourself in the in, in, uh, as a user and, and then looking at it inward, that might also give you some insights. And if it, if that is the case, then you know, you know there's specific steps that you can follow to, to elevate the, the problem. Yeah, I think Google Analytics can help you that avoid uh, putting a lot of things oh how's how how do you know how that works the... but like if you if you want to look that uh, then yes so you can log the traffic location and the load time maybe right. uh, from the analytics and you'll, you'll get some some instance uh, from the analytics mm -hmm. but but yeah mm -hmm. so the analytics code uh, analytics is pretty good for to mm -hmm get that insights uh, where the user is clicking in which action they are uh, they are doing i mean right. they are most interacting absolutely the um, so uh, daniel i think what's um what would maybe be interesting if maybe you, if you can talk about a little bit about what you maybe your like your latest application that you've that you've performed performance <laughs> optimization. I mean, what were the first things that stuck out for you? Uh, for you, and you know, how did you tackle uh, such a problem? Mm -hmm. oh, well, the saying goes, "The cobbler's uh, how is that? The cobbler's children have no shoes." <laughs> or in other words, uh, like a well driller was telling me recently, he said, yeah, I go and drill people's wells. He said, but my well's poor. He said, my wife keeps fussing at me. Hey, we need more water. We need more water. But I'm always so busy making other or drilling other people's wells. I don't have time to drill my own. Right. I've done some performance optimization on some of my apps uh, that I'm working on. It's still on my to-do list, though. Like the things I talk about in the articles, I still need to do in uh, in some of my apps that I'm working on for other companies. So uh, some of the things I some of the things I mentioned in the articles and that we've already talked about, I've implemented and got it. You know, working re decently well. No one's fussing about speed. And then there's always these new features and new bugs that that we gotta crank out. And so the speeding it up and make it even faster ends up uh, getting pushed to the back burner. But yeah, there's quite a few of the things that I mentioned in the articles that I have done. I mentioned, you know, editing the app or checking the app.module.ts file. And uh, we have this big application that we're working on. It's actually a, it's a front-end interface for a mobile device management solution. And actually it's, it's with, I work for a company that's been, that's, that's part, uh, partnered or worked with another company called uh, Clear. They're out from Utah. I don't know if Charles has ever met uh, 
uh, I forget the name of the CEO, but uh, Clear Clear is the name of the company. And so this has been a project that's what been kind of some all kinds of things. They made the, they started with the Clear OS, uh, which is a Linux distro for server administration. They have Clear United, Clear Energy. Uh, we've been working together on a phone called ClearPhone, which is a privacy-focused phone. And then the company that I worked for wanted some of these phones, and they wanted NDM capabilities baked into them. So uh, we've had back and forth with, with Clear on it. Anyways, back to this MDM panel. So after after my friend, who's been working with me on it, but he does the Django stuff, he, he complained about this app being slow. The first thing I learned is that you you actually pro, profile performance. Don't just depend on your internal ticker and say that my app is slower than yours. Let's open the let's open open the the dev tools and 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 prove who's faster and who's slower. And then the second the second place I went to was the app.module.ts file, and I was shocked at how many imports we were, we had in there that we weren't using anymore. I shaved off hundreds of kilobytes because of modules that, that we weren't using anymore. So that, yeah, that, that was the first place or first performance optimization that I did. This isn't necessarily down the line of performance optimizations per se, although it is. One thing that I, uh, one thing worth considering is ghost animations. So the first version of the app, we just put this loading spinner that grayed out the entire page. So anytime they'd log in and it'd load the information, why they'd see this this loading spinner and a grayed out page. And I learned that you can you can uh, improve speed perception, not actual performance, but improve speed perception by not by using ghost anim- animations instead of something that blocks out the entire page. Because it almost gives the user a sense of panic, like, oh, I can't do anything until this loads. You know, what if I want to go here in the app and I don't wait, want to wait? Uh, what if I want to click on companies, I, but, but I have to wait until devices load? So by loading the nav bar and then replacing the devices table with an actual ghost anima- animation, I did not improve the performance, but I improved the perception of the performance. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, sure does. Uh, yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, if you're looking at it from a user perspective, I mean, when we're talking about optimization, often we're talking in seconds, right? Um, but we we're not machines; we're humans. But if for me, if I if something that takes I don't know five seconds, if you can somehow via animation or I don't know, a mesmerizing spinner <laughs> of some sort. You know, if you can make me feel like that only took like half a second, I mean, a second or so, then at the end of the day, you have achieved what the goal of bringing that user experience. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, that is all, that's what it's all about, about that user experience and making your customers uh, feel good about using your software. So it's very important. I think that's a, it's a very good point. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I- I am wondering, speaking to what Richard's talking about, how do you measure that? Like, how do you measure if it's fast enough or feels fast enough? I'm, I'm sure the one's more subjective than the other, but is there a way to know? Are, are you talking about the, the perception, the user yeah. perception? Yeah. So perceived speed, I think, is just hard to know, right? You'd have to show it to a bunch of people and have them try it and then have them tell you if, if it was fast or not, right? But a lot of times I see people put benchmarks, especially on back-end code, because it's a lot easier to benchmark, right? And so... 
at the end of the day, they're saying, hey, it has to be this faster, faster, right? And then I've actually seen them put like Cypress or Selenium tests on it and actually put the benchmark around it. And then it'll it'll pop an error on their test run, right? But how do you do that with Angular? Is there a way to do that with Angular where you basically say, I'm going to benchmark this thing or that thing or decide if something's fast enough without actually loading it up? Daniel, have you had any experience with that? Well, uh, I didn't. Subrit, Subrit mentioned Google Analytics for tracking mm-hmm. performance. And I can second what he says uh, by experience. You can you can track the load time, load speed of your application. You can also see where users went, where they're going. Yeah, at the end of the day, it, it's really dependent on your users. If this is a corporate application that's internal use, always on a fiber optic connection what does it's not performance isn't as as a big a deal whereas if all your users majority of your users are mobile then you need to decide how fast is this thing going to load on you know on mobile connections how long is it going to take to bootstrap and i don't have any experience actually testing that and when you do when you run your angular tests if there's a way to test that to make sure that your production version is always uh, your production version never takes longer than five seconds or three seconds, whatever it is to load on on mobile. Have you ever done that, Richard or Subrit? You know if that's possible. Yeah, the, the lighthouse is the uh, one I guess uh, to check the initial loading. Yeah, it's is taking. very mm-hmm. true. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think I was gonna say exactly the like for me that's uh, that that, that for, uh, that would be something that I would definitely tinker with first if, if I wanted to focus on TTI time takes for for it to, to interactive time to interactive it's I think it's called I remember I think about two years ago I, I did a talk in one of the Google meetups it's, uh, it was titled Building Performance Optimized Web Apps in 2018 I was actually just looking at the Edit now. Maybe I'll share it in the in the show notes, uh, Chuck. But yeah, I think I think one of the things that uh, I, the landscape must have changed. I mean, obviously, it's you know tech is moving pretty fast. But I think I remember back then the one of the key things that most people that are working on in the web space uh, were advocating for were service workers and 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 that sort of thing. And you, as you know, as an Angular developer, we've got this uh, an NGSW or Angular service worker. So you know, it's that whole notion of uh, offline first and and progressive uh, enhancement, which is just get your application running as fast as possible, or at least the load, the initial load, and then you can slowly bring in more features as the user navigates or moves around your application. So yeah, I think that's I think even today in 2021, I think those those topics and those uh, that advice is still pretty much uh, relevant have you had a chance to to work with a service worker or anything like that uh, daniel i think you are on mute uh, i'm sorry about that forgot about it yes i have i have done some work with server workers on on different angular applications and angular spoils us and it's just one command basically to get your your uh turn your angular you know into a pwa progressive web app with its own service worker uh, the Angular team has spoiled the, the Angular developers and made it very, very nice. And yes, uh, a, a service worker is a great way. I'm glad you brought it up, Richard. I had totally forgotten about it. It's a great way to optimize, help optimize your application and to cache the things that 
can be cached and then uh, then uh, get only get the fresh data that you need and to add like i may i heard uh, in the some pop, pop podcast i don't know about or like uh, it's the slack cto i guess and then he was saying that by using service of what they are doing is they uh, they preloaded the data to the service of some intelligently and uh, once the user is requesting they will load from the service worker uh, not from the from the sub so that will be a i guess uh, pretty good way and i guess now nowadays it, recently it's uh, the prefetching it's uh, on the on the market so we were just talking on how we can use tensorflow js to analyze what to prefetch and that can, mm-hmm. that can boost mm-hmm. a lot lot of performance mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. user basically uh, so if you, you you are prefetching in the background mm-hmm. and uh, so that's a announcement to the corresponding service worker and and uh, richard told like it's currently it's the i think uh, for me like if you if you are doing a pw and that can be used in all the all the devices everywhere and nowadays they have push notification background fetch background sync Hmm. everything so slowly slowly it will, it will going to uh, i'm not saying 100% over like cross the all the native apps but it feels like native apps mm-hmm. and now and nowadays we can also generate our apk from that at least from from android side you can convert your pwa to apk so there's a pretty good uh, announcement or development happening Mhm yeah yeah i think there's a, there's a lot of at a disposal for for developers nowadays i mean we've pretty much covered most of the things that are applicable especially in the context of of angular but this i think there's there's plenty more that you can do but for me as you know as a as a developer i i always put myself in the shoes of the user that's that's where i start with mm-hmm. most of my problem solving is like what how is the user experiencing this and then from there on you you start optimizing and you start with what i call the low hanging fruit <laughs> i remember when we often have meetings with the team here in and someone says oh okay but you know that is too complex and uh, but these are the options we can do this and that my question is always often what are the things that we can easily implement but will have a bigger impact um whether it be the user experience uh, whether improvement in ui or accessibility and and that sort of thing so i think just going back to the basics using the browser the browser api i mean it's just so immense and it continues to grow um so you know i, I would say just focus on, on on the basics and and try and get your base um optimized first before you jump into this other Uh, fancy things <laughs> but again just look at it from from the perspective of of your users first yeah to, 100% yeah to add that like uh, like one thought like uh, previously if it's a like uh, daniel just told that if it's an application which is used inside a corporate and that uh, obviously a lot of people will have uh, the corporate speed and everything but that just breaks uh, once the pandemic came so everybody <laughs> are in home now so while mm-hmm. while while developing so uh, actually we don't have we never thought that we, that will always work uh, from home from the big corporate point of view but uh, for a developer point of view we should i think think for the worst then 
like something new pandemic or something come everybody will be inside home and sometimes the your your broadband connection uh, the the network provider is down so you have to use your mobile data and that time if your if your load time is pretty high then the user may may be frustrated and if the user is a big guy then then it will be a problem All right, Daniel. What what other what other tips before I see that we've pushed uh, close to an hour now? Just maybe if there are any other more tips, or if you want to highlight anything else uh, that you you know last you know the advice that you can give to to this up and coming uh, young developers. <laughs> Angular can be hard to learn, harder than other web frameworks and libraries, but once you master it, you'll feel like a million bucks. Like that. That's that's yeah. been my experience. And they should read your uh, articles, I, I right, to, to 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 help get closer to that. Oh goal, yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I I just saw like you have giving away a PDF is seven money murdering mistake that Angular developer makes. So just uh, can you just tell about that? So what? Uh, sure. What what about that? Yeah. That. That uh, you can download for free on my website, danielk.tech. If you uh, go to any page and just scroll down to the bottom, you'll get the prompt to uh, download it. I talk about some performance things in that article and different money murdering mistakes that Angulars make that cost their companies money. One of them is uh, using jQuery with Angular. Uh, which I know is controversial, but that that is a mistake. I have an article on that, uh, but that's one of the seven money murdering mistakes that I mentioned in the uh, in the uh, in the download. So yeah, it's it's yours for the getting. So have at it. That's cool. Cool. Yeah, it's funny that you bring in uh, jQuery because I have a tendency to, well, the way I get around not being a terrific designer is by buying designs off of the internet and. Me the too. issue is, is that a lot of them use Bootstrap, right? And so mm. Bootstrap pulls in jQuery. I think Sue brought brought that up yeah, earlier, yeah. right? And so you're saying, well, don't use jQuery with Angular. But the issue is, is well, then I have to go and I have to find all of the fancy stuff that they added to this layout that made me like it. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and figure out how to make Angular do it, or I can just leave jQuery in there, and as time goes on, kind of migrate it out. Mm. Uh, do you do you have an approach you like for that? Well, hey, the the consulting, the latest consulting uh, gig I've been working on, we use jQuery in in the application. So uh, that was not my choice. Okay, right. If it had been up to me, I wouldn't have made that choice. Uh, so, and and there again, it's because of a theme that the company decided on that they downloaded from the mm-hmm. internet and uh, and decided to use. I just don't use it. I I, I avoid it like a plague. I write jQuery code. I've written small web apps in jQuery. I have nothing against jQuery. My question is, why in the world do we then need Angular? If we're if we have if if we're putting if we're going to use jQuery, why do we need Angular? You had jQuery, and then it got it it evolved into kind of evolved into Angular JS because jQuery wasn't uh, sufficient. And then Angular JS evolved into Angular. So by putting jQuery in your Angular app, feels like you've gone back in time, right? Yeah, and it's not safe also. So that has some vulnerability yes. with jQuery yes. exports. Yeah, I mean my my approach is generally that if I if I pick it up and it's something that I want to use, then yeah, I'll just stick it in there. But I'm not writing any new features with jQuery. I'm just using whatever plugins they have for the behavior I want. 
And then typically they also have like a functions file or a something like that, that they're importing to do a bunch of stuff. And to the extent yeah. that it's using jQuery to manage things and it's easy for me to switch over to whichever framework I'm using. Yeah. I'll rewrite those, but it, it, I think, I think just to, to <laughs> I think just to be clear, especially for, I'm, I'm just thinking maybe for someone who's just starting out in web development and they're listening and I'm sure you've seen when you started off, jQuery was basically the, lingua franca of of web development right i don't know at least when i started yeah, it was, it was the only game was the case i mean there were a couple yeah others, but, so and yeah. i think well yeah exactly but i mean there are right now still a lot of um, articles and literature out there that still use jquery as an example and i think that the point that we're making here is not that jQuery is evil. I mean, it's still, it's very good at what it does. Um, I mean, if you look at a standalone application, I'm talking pure JS, CSS, and HTML, uh, jQuery, they can help you mock up, uh, you know, do a quick application very quickly and, and easily. Uh, and in that scenario, it's, it, it's, it's well, it's worth using. Uh, we're just talking specifically within an Angular application. And the reason why it, it negates it is that you can do everything within within the angular ecosystem uh, there's mm -hmm. no need for it uh, it's not necessarily meaning that it's 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 bad or anything like that just wanted to yeah. clear that up no i agree i mean ultimately what it boils down to at least in my case is what's my priority is it getting this new feature written or is it ripping some of the jquery stuff out so i don't have to maintain two different frameworks or systems and sometimes it makes more sense to go one way and sometimes it makes more sense to go the other and and kick it down the road Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Subrat, do you have some picks for us? Uh, yep. So I will pick uh, like the the pick which I picked for in in my first episode. Means in the when I I was the guest is it was Deno Deno Land. So it's think it's released now. So it's a it's a pretty secure what to say uh, JavaScript backend. And it's uh, by default runs TypeScript. So have a have a look on Deno. Deno. You can call it Dino or you can call it Deno. It depends how what you like. I think that's the picks for me. Awesome. How about you, Richard? Cool. I just want to make a quick comment on um, Sprat's uh, pick. I think it's uh, something that I've also wanted to try for a while. So now that he's mentioned it twice in <laughs> two episodes, <laughs> so I'm, I think I'm, <laughs> I've got the kick on the on the on the on the back, and I'm gonna definitely check it out. All right. Yeah. For me, this for this episode, I think to there's something that I actually forgot also in one of the couple of episodes back, which is I don't know about you guys, like um, when you coding or when you're in the zone, so to speak. Some people tend to listen to music, a specific kind of music called coding music or live lo-fi or whatever they call it. Um, and there's one guitarist, musician, and I, and I just looked him up recently, and I think he's based here in Germany somewhere. His name is Tio, or he goes by the name Tio, so T-E-O, and he plays such beautiful music. And I always like to have it in the in, in the background uh, with um coding or with um doing taking a shower really like it's it's just so relaxing uh, music that he, he produces so I'll, I'll put that link to to his um, spotify profile the second one is i think it's quite topical because we're talking about performance and optimizing web, web applications uh it's uh, as i mentioned earlier on it's a tech talk i did a couple of years back 2018 i think it was titled building performance optimized web apps in 2018 
Uh, it's on YouTube and uh, I'll put a link onto it as well. Awesome. I'm going to throw in a few picks here. So I watched a docu- documentary about one of the Supreme Court justices in, in the U.S. And there have been a couple of them done about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was a Supreme Court justice. This one was about Clarence Thomas. And I just I find the history on these people and, you know, these movements within the U.S. just so fascinating as, as part of like this recent history that in a lot of ways we're still kind of dealing with. Right. And so this one is called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words. And uh, yeah, he's anyway, it was really interesting just to kind of see how he evolved into his uh, judicial and uh, governing philosophy. And so anyway, I'm going to pick that, put a link in. Um, apparently it's not on Amazon Prime anymore, but you can get it on some of the other video systems or video. Anyway, you can find it out there and you can rent it for like $3. So I'm, I'm enjoying that. I actually watched it on the Daily Wire app. I have a subscription there. So if you want to watch it and, you know, you like other conservative content, that, that's a good place to go. But you can get it in other places. So I'm going to pick that. Uh, the other pick that I have is, so I've been listening to a new book on Amazon or on Audible. And it's it's been pretty interesting just to kind of listen through. If you've read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, apparently there's another book that he wrote that was never published. And he his wife apparently wasn't comfortable having it published. And then another family member didn't want to have it published until after they had died. And so finally, the Napoleon Hill Foundation got a hold of it after the the last family member died in like 2011. And they wound up publishing this book. It's called Outwitting the Devil. And he basically kind of talks about his journey through certain things. And then he actually sits down and winds up doing an interview with the devil. So it's kind of like screw tape letters from C.S. Lewis. The thing that's interesting about it is that a lot of the ideas in it really are sort of the personal growth uh, mindset kinds of things. It just comes from this bent of interviewing the devil. And uh, anyway, really, really interesting book. And so I'm going to pick that as well. Uh, Daniel, you have some picks for us? Oh, yeah. Uh, my first pick is Shai Hi-Rez's, uh testing course. I've been working through that. I don't know if any of you have done that. That is Netflix for Angular developers. He, <laughs> he recently did. Uh, he opened up. I think he closed again. I don't think it's open anymore, but uh, he opened up. And so I purchased it and uh, have been uh, sharpening my Angular testing skills. Yeah, that is my first pick. I love it. And, and I can't recommend it enough to anyone else. I'll be partial on my second pick and my last pick. And that's my blog. Uh, doesn't quite beat Shy High Res's content, but it's still good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Shy is awesome. All right. Well, if people want to connect with you, Daniel, you mentioned your blog, but are there other ways that people can connect with you? Twitter, GitHub, places uh, like that, LinkedIn? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I do not have a Twitter account. but what? Uh, Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. What? <laughs> He's the second person in a, in a week that we've had on the show. And it's like, I just don't do that for wow. social media. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a, a Twitter account, but uh, GitHub, D. Kreider, LinkedIn, uh, Daniel Kreider, and uh, obviously my blog, DanielK.Tech. Yep. Awesome. Ooh. Well, it was great to talk to you. This was fun. Yes. Thank you. My, my honor. All right. We're going to go ahead and wrap up here, folks. And until next time, Max out. Peace. Bye-bye.